Good morning, Chapel family. How are we on this fine? Ooh, I still got some good vocal effects. Oh, you could turn those back on. Welcome to Kixie 96.5. Happy Reformation Day. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, one of my heroes, Martin Luther, the German, uh, in 1517, nailed his 95 theses, not intending to start this big hubbub of a thing, but he, he brought the church to a place where for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, the church had been piling traditions on top of traditions. And he said, these are the things that I don't see in the Bible. Now that I've read the Bible, I don't see these things. And he just wanted to have a conversation, and he ended up starting the whole Protestant Reformation, which says we, we believe we are here and saved by Christ alone. And we trust in the Bible alone. And we are saved by faith alone, through grace alone. And it's for the glory of God alone and supremely. So that is a person that I greatly admire. There is a movie, if you ever wanted to learn more about his story. There's an old one, which I love, the black and white from like the 50s. And there's a new one with Ralph Fiennes. Uh, and that's an epic version as well. That came out in like 2004. Highly recommended if you're ever wondering what this day is really about. Because uh, as we have some of the kids in here today, I just want to point out that today is the day where we all get to um, wear masks, right? And everyone knows that we're wearing a mask. So if you're a young person, I'm going to really need you to participate and show us how this works. Because as we wear masks, like, who's dressing up today? Anyone dressing up today? If you're an adult, you should raise your hand if you are too. I just want to know who needs more prayer. Um, okay. What are you dressing up as? What are you dressing up as? Bella, what are you dressing up as? Winnie the Pooh? Wow, are you Christopher Robin? Piglet, Christopher Robin? No, no Christopher, Christopher? Oh, just you two. Oh, is that the age where you just go apart from your family and your mom and dad cry slowly in the closet as you pull into independence? Okay, what else? What are you dressing up as? It's, it was your birthday yesterday and you always have a birthday Halloween party, so are you dressing up as a birthday girl? A belly dancer, okay. Well, happy birthday, belated birthday by one day. You look great for 49. <laughs> Brie, Brie gives me a hard time because I'm uh, one year older than she is. And this is her final year. She's 39, right? And um, congratulations, you've made it. It's just a year full panic and not very many carbs. Um, what else? One more, one more thing. Who's dressing up? What are you dressing up as? As who? Superwoman, nice. What about you? I know you were wanting to say it. What are you dressing up as, Ava? So bright. A mermaid. Well, that's going to be awkward trying to go down the street, huh? Just. <laughs> this is the one day where we all wear masks and we expect each other to wear masks. The other 364 days, we wear masks, but nobody realizes we're wearing masks. There's these things that I love. They're called emojis. Does anyone know what an emoji is? Here's an emoji. I want you to show me this emoji with your face. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. That's, what is that emoji? What is that one? Happy, right? Okay, show me this emoji with your face. Oh, oh. That's a good... Chuck, you've made the same face for the last two emojis. How will your wife know what's going on? Okay. This is one of my favorites. I need you to participate. What does that one mean? Oh. This is, um, this is the emoji for everyone that's age two to five. Show me the emoji. Well done. That's a creepy one. This is, um, this is Jared's favorite emoji. Right? How do you do that one? Okay. That's also what you do while a pastor preaches a sermon. This is a hard one to actually do. I, I know it's on my keyboard. I've used it. And the day that I taught my mom how to use emojis, she sent me all of these emojis, but no words. She was so excited. And, and this one, I still don't know for sure what it means, but I need to see someone participate and show me what it is. I'm specifically looking at the two teenage boys right here who want to be cool. Okay, ready? One, two, three, go. You're not going to lose or get a date based on whether or not you can't emote. As a matter of fact, if you can do that emoji, then 
someone might be like, that is a goofy young man who loves Jesus because he, no? Okay, then do this. Shh. This is my most used emoji other than maybe the final one. I use this emoji all the time. I don't know why. I don't know what it means. It just means like, hmm. And then this emoji I use because I'm a, like either a baby Gen Xer or the eldest millennial. I use this all the time. Kids, this is what your parents use, right? All the time. <laughs> like how many times does your mom send you three of those? You're like, look what I did, mom. And they do, bop, bop, bop. <laughs> I don't know why. Old people love that emoji. I literally, this because kids are in here, I, I wanted to put some of the other ones. The teenagers use, we can't do those because this is a family-friendly service, okay? But these are masks that we wear. And the reason why I wanted to talk about them to the kids for just a brief moment is because of this. There is an unseen reality going on right now. Some of us walked in this room and we were smiling. But on the inside, we were not smiling. On the inside, we were, let's see, maybe that. Maybe that. Maybe that. Maybe that. Maybe that. Some of us are sad on the inside, but we don't let anyone else see. Has anyone ever pretended they're not sad so that no one else saw them? Okay. Has anyone tried to take their anger and just stuff it down because they didn't want to be angry? Yeah. No? Because when you're your age, you get to just do it, right? You just let it out. Like, I don't want dino nuggies. You bite off their heads. Okay. Let me ask you this. How many of you kids have ever thought, I think mommy or daddy might be sad right now? Any kids ever thought that? Yeah? What do you do when your moms and dads are sad? How do you cheer them up? What do you do? You make them cookies? Babe, we got to trade in our models for a different model. Oh. Oh, how do you make them giggle? By laughing? Can you give me a sample laugh? <laughs> that really works. Wow. I, Amy, we need to trade in our kids. Silas, make me giggle. Jackson, make me giggle. You see, you old teenage boys, you see, he turns teenager in a couple days, and he, you're turning him into you. Participate with Jesus. Oh, no. Bro. Here's what I want you to think about the masks we wear. Because all the time we're all feeling something that we might not be showing on this face. Tonight I'm going to dress up as the beast from Beauty and the Beast because my youngest daughter, Bella, wants to be Belle. And she said, Daddy, will you dance with me in my dress? And I said, absolutely not. No, we're going to dance. I'm going to play Tale as Old as Time a thousand times tonight. And we're going to dance and we're going to play and, and we're going to get a bunch of candy. And then I'm going to take off my mask at the end of the night and I'll go back to being just regular dad and not beast dad. But I need you to understand that there is in every one of us an unseen reality. There are things going on in every single person that we don't know. Sometimes people are sad and you don't know they're sad because they just have to keep going in their life. Sometimes people have a lot of anger and they just pretend that they're not angry. They give the church answers when you ask your friends, young people. This is what, this is what grown-ups do. I don't ever want you to get in the habit of doing this. Grown-ups play this game called How Are You Doing? And we do this. Watch. Dave, how are you doing today? Fine. And grown-ups lie to each other. We're not all doing fine. As a matter of fact, if you're a grown-up in here and you've been not fine this week, can you just raise your hand so your kids can see? And I'm raising my hand for me. I've been not fine. Okay? So sometimes, kiddos, I want you to remember that even though we play one day a year where we put on a mask and then we take it off, every day you have the choice to wake up and you can be who you really are. And you could tell people, not everybody, but your closest people who love you what you're really feeling. And I want you to know that the, some of the kids around you and your parents that brought you here, they will love you even if you're sad, even if you're mad, even if you're making that weird face where I still don't know what it means. If you can tell me what that face means, I would love to know. 
but I want you to know that as you think about Halloween tonight, there's one person who loves you, even though you can pretend and fake and try to, try to show just the best side of yourself, Jesus sees you for who you are. He sees when you're sad. He sees when you're mad. He sees when you're upset. He sees when you don't want to talk to people. And he says, I see through your mask, through the person you're pretending to be, and I still love you and I'll always love you. The amazing thing about Jesus is that he doesn't only see what's on the outside. He sees what's on the inside. The Bible says he sees our heart. And today you guys get to play some fun stuff in the back, to, some activities to learn this. You guys are going to go take apart pumpkins. And if you could save the seeds, please save them for me because I'm a pumpkin seed addict. I'm going to cook them all. But you're going to go back there and you're going to get messy and slimy and get the goop on your Sunday best dresses and shirts. And I want you to think about what the teachers are teaching you back there, about what Jesus does when he comes into our life. He sees the mess. He sees what we pretend to be. And he says, I love you. And I'm going to scoop out the stuff in you that's broken and I'm going to put my light inside of you. So kids, would you stand up? And I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to head on back with Mr. Charlie and the other teachers. God, bless these kids today. Help them to be exhausted in the jumpy house. Help them to have a great time learning about pumpkins and cleaning out the insides that you've done in their hearts. Let them be a light to their friends and to their parents this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Chapel family, I'm going to leave this emoji up there for the rest of the service. I need to... I need to see uh, Daniel chapter 10. The reason why I talked about that with the kids, the unseen things, is because we are in Daniel chapter 10, and there is an unseen world that I definitely could not bring into the kids' portion of this morning's message. We do the kids joining us to sing with us and to be loud and noisy with us on the last Sunday of each month. But this vision. It's the final vision of Daniel. If you're just joining us today, we are wrapping up Daniel where we've been walking from uh, around 600 years before Jesus came when a group of teenagers were taken captive and they were brought into a new culture and it was a government that oppressed and said, be who we are, follow our rules. And these young people said, we're going to stand with God and believe in God and follow who God had called us to be. And then Daniel has this rhythm of dreams and visions and persecution. We have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abad Amigo who got thrown into the fire. We have Daniel in the lion's den. We have the visions of these kings who would die horrendously or humble themselves. And this is the beginning of the final vision of Daniel. And in Daniel, we have these visions about the end of the world, but in this morning's passage, instead of trying to break down all the different viewpoints and perspectives, because it began last week, and people have always tried to read Daniel and read Revelation, and they say, well, look, if you take the 70 weeks and the seven here, then it equals it on October 31st in 2021, that's when Jesus will return, which would be a hoot, wouldn't it? If Jesus returned and half of you are dressed like belly dancers and demons. I'll be dressed like a pastor for Halloween, thank you very much. But I wanted to talk about an unseen reality that we get to glimpse into. Because Daniel prays, and for whatever reason, God didn't just drop the answer on Daniel's lap, like he doesn't for us. If you don't believe me, go home today and say, Dear God, please grant me patience and wisdom. He will answer it by putting you in situations to learn patience and wisdom. He's not going to airdrop it in like some episode of The Hunger Games. And in this particular vision, in this particular recalling, as Daniel's having a back and forth with one of God's angels, we see a glimpse into the unseen. And whether or not you believe in these things or not, I, I'm a Bible teacher, I love the Bible. And I try to study the Bible in its context. And the Bible talks about these beings called demons and angels. There's movies about them. If you grow up watching cartoons, you have the little shoulder angel that always says, do, like, do the right thing, and the shoulder devil. We have movies like the terrifying ones. The Conjuring, which someone told me about this morning. The Exorcist back in the 70s. 80s? 60s? 70s? The, that Emily Rose movie, which petrified me, terrified me, stupefied me. And I've always wondered, Lord, what in the world is going on? Like, were these de demonic beings, are these, some people say, well, they're just metaphors. Well, that doesn't seem like a metaphor here. Jesus would cast demons out of people. How do demons go into people? We're not going to get into all that today, but if you want to text in questions, you're welcome to text. I'll post responses or send them back to you. You can text me at 813 Oh, 813-444-7170. 813-444-7170.
if you have questions. Because in these days, in verse 2, in these days, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. He had been getting these visions, and he was, he was distressed for three weeks. He ate no delicacies, no meat, no wine entered his mouth. That's depression. Nor did I anoint myself at all. That's how they showered themselves, cleansed themselves. He's like, I didn't eat anything nice. No meat, no wine, no, no tasty things. I was just, he was just there eating oatmeal cooked in water. That would be our modern-day equivalent without taking a shower. We've all seen that person because that was all of us in 2020. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like barrel, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men who were with me, did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone, and I saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. God's about to reveal something to Daniel, and Daniel's crying out, because Daniel's saying, God, what does this mean? The world's coming to an end. How is Babylon going to end? How are we going to get back to Jerusalem? Daniel is looking for the hope that would come, the hope that we know as Jesus. And it's coming through these weird, strange visions. Verse 9, I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. He said to me, Fear not, Daniel. Fear not, Daniel. There's this amazing idea. The most repeated command in the Bible is some variation of do not fear. I don't think God commands it to us because it's like so important to him. I, th I believe he says it so often because he knows our nature. He knows that we are going to have fear. Fear in the form of just pure terror of what may happen, of what may come to be. Fear, if, if you want to put it in a, a modernized text, we, we'd, we'd call a lot of fear anxiety. None of us have that, right? Right now, anxiety. Do not be anxious, Daniel. Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and you humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. So Daniel prayed, and then this guy comes down to deliver a message. We don't know, we don't have an exact thing. Like, is this... Uh, is this the same God, a angel that's been coming, Gabriel? Remember, there's no wings on the majority of angels in the Bible. There's two classes of angels that have wings, cherubim and seraphim, and they got crazy-looking wings. The majority of times that an angel appears, they appear like a human. They look like us, but shiny and loud. And he says, Daniel, from the moment you prayed, and this is what I want us to zoom in on today, you were heard. And then... I have come because of your words. So Daniel prays. You pray. If you pray, your words go up. They don't just bounce off a ceiling and come down. They go up, and you may not realize that they're being heard, but God is hearing your words. And at times, God will answer divinely with some situation or the Holy Spirit working through you or around you or those near to you. But this is a wild verse because Daniel prayed, and God said, I'm going to send an angel, a messenger, down to Daniel to answer his prayer. And as I'm thinking, a messenger, an angel is pretty fast. Like if I had to just gauge, you know, I've watched Superman and The Flash. I would think that an angel has like that kind of speed. But there's an unseen realm that we don't think about very often. It's happening right now all around us. We call it the spiritual realm. There are many questions that people have. Do I have a personal angel? 
Have I ever seen an angel? The Bible says in Hebrews 13 that some of us have entertained angels uh, unknown to ourselves. That means angels have just been cruising around, doing things that we didn't even know. In this passage, this messenger that was sent got stopped. The prince, verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So this angel, let's call him not as strong angel, was going down with a message. In this terminology, the prince of Persia, it's the prince of the heir of Persia. It's referring to some being that's over Persia. There is a being that, it, that was over Persia who prevented a messenger angel coming from heaven to earth to deliver an answer to prayer for 21 days. I don't know what in the world. There's not a lot of specifics about this type of thing happening in the Bible, but what we can glean from this is that there are evil powers that are over regions. And there are some evil beings. For those of you who are new to Christianity, you're like, I don't know if I believe all this. I'm just telling you what the Bible teaches us. In the beginning, there was only angelic hosts, an angelic army, an angelic group. And one third of them approximately left heaven to follow Satan, the accuser. And those are the ones that we now call demons. They're not, they're, they weren't born out of the mud and like have horns and just angry tar coming out of their teeth. They were angels who rebelled. And then they became the spirits who wandered this earth to draw people away from God. And it seems that some of them, like this prince of the heir of Persia, was more powerful and had the ability to just stop an angel who was still following God. Like, just basketball style? I, I don't know. How do angels and evil spirits, demons, fallen angels, how do they do that? Like Gabriel's like, and then the prince of the earth Persia is like, ah, stop. But then I love the next part because it says, I was held up for 21 days by this, by this fallen angel who's over Persia, who's taking Persia and manipulating Persia to the will of Satan, to the will of deception, to the anti-God stuff. And I was, I was held up there for 21 days. But Michael, everyone say, but Michael. Michael, where are you at? Michael, are you in here? Michael, this is you, dude. No, this is not you, dude. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was left there with these kings of Persia Okay, get the scene in your mind. Angelic man. Gabriel's always like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. I don't buy it. Because like if a blonde-haired, blue-eyed dude showed up to the like Hebrews and you know around this time period, they'd be like, what are you? Probably looked more Hebrewish. Flows down. The big, bad, fallen angel says, stop. And Gabriel's just like, you just wait. <laughs> My friend's coming. <laughs> you don't even know. And like... I need someone that's smaller. Who's small? Don, you're small. Can you come up here? Sorry. It, you, your second row, you're small. Okay. Don's Gabriel. I need someone who's medium. Medium. Who's a medium-sized person? Are you medium? You're medium. Come on up here. You're, you're more medium than her. Okay, here we go. So this is Gabriel. You're the bad guy. And, and he, Gabriel's trying to get the message to Daniel, who's over there. And, and Gabriel's just like, I've been here for 21 days. And then... There's me, the model of masculinity, twisted steel and sex appeal, as my wife calls me. Michael, go on, little angel, carry your business about. Bam, bam, bam. I don't know what he did. Okay, go sit down now. But like, this is hierarchy. There's a hierarchy among spiritual beings where there's bigger ones, stronger ones, more beautiful ones, less beautiful ones, and we don't see it at all. We're about to go to Publix and be like, oh, we need one more bag of Snickers and Reese's peanut butter cups. And then in the midst of this region, whether you believe it or not, there are spiritual beings that are moving and shaping and answering and controlling. If you, if you don't, if you just take two steps back, and if you look at different areas of the country, different regions battle different areas of brokenness. Tampa Bay is known for its sex industry, for adult stores, for strip clubs, for sex trafficking. It is rampant here. Well, oh, yes, because it's a port city and this and this and that. And maybe also because there is spiritual darkness here that affects people in that way. 
in my first year of living here and meeting with pastors, the number of pastors that I heard stories of, of adultery and affairs and infidelity was rampant. Every major church around that I've talked to has experienced it with someone high up in their pastoral leadership. You think that's just a coincidence? Or perhaps there are demonic powers, and it's not just, they're not just trying to attack pastors, they're trying to attack all believers, and they're trying to tempt us away. And there are some angels that are just here to deliver the message, and some angels that can do something about it. There's this guy that I see at the gym. His name's Will. He's huge. Like, I'm saying, I'm six foot six. I'm like 230 pounds. He makes me feel small. He's not my height, but he looks like he could push me into a tuna can, okay? He's the guy that when he goes through doors, he has to go through like this. Like, that's, that's not me. I go through like this, okay? Whenever I see Will, he's always a, the good thing is he's always limping because he's always injured, so I know I could take him if I needed to, right? But um, I just kick him in the spine. He's got a bad spine. Anyway, um, whenever I see him, I think, man, I'll talk to him. I'm like, dude, give me some tips on this workout. And he'll, like, come in. He's like, just have fun. Just what, you know, he tells me, what are your goals? And my goals have become laser-focused lately. My goal is to scare children in public when I walk by them, and I want to be able to throw most grown men if I want to. Okay, those are, that's my goal. People say, why do you go to the gym? I want to scare children and throw grown men. That's all. So I tell Will, I want to be like you. But man, I think about guys that big, and I watch them lift, because I'm over there like, just with dumbbells, like, mm, mm. I may go to the bench, you know? I remember the first time, because I didn't know how much I lifted. So I'm like, let's try like the 45s. Like I should bail the bench like 145 on each side. Don't judge me, military people, okay? I'm going up. Here's why you can't judge me. You all are shorter. You don't realize that when you bench press, you're just going like this. Okay, I'm like, oh, no, okay. So I did that. I put on, let's try 25s. So I'm like, I'm getting my bench up. This is the kind of guy who comes up and he's like, he warms up. He's like, ah, 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 and just takes so many plates. And when they lift things, that bar, the barbell, it's crying for mercy. It's bending. It's making a sad face because it's so sad. And it's just like, ooh. And he just, ah, ah, ah. And he put it down. And they get up. And they look in the mirror and flex. I try to do that. It looks like a popsicle stick staring back at me. I'm like, oh, oh. It, it amazes me that we don't realize the stories in the Bible of this unseen realm, that there are beings who are weaker, faster, stronger, prettier, uglier, deceptive, good, light-bringing, message-bringing. In the Bible event that we have the QR code in the lobby each week, I put some other stories just for you to, to think about, for you to ponder. One of my favorite stories is Elisha's servant. They were cornered in this valley, and an army was encamped around them. And Elisha's just doing his thing, and the servant's panicking, just biting his nails, freaking out. Elisha, the army is going to finally get us. They're going to kill us. They're going to kill us, Elisha. What are we going to do? And Elisha says, oh, oh, I, I, Lord, Open my servant's eyes so that he can see what I see. And instantly, the servant looked up, and there were the army that was coming to kill them. And on the ridge of this mountain surrounding the evil army was an angelic army set of fire, ready to stomp down. Do you think he felt more comfortable then? Or what about in the book of Jude? It's, it's so, so interesting. It's another point where Michael shows up. Jude is one chapter. It's right before Revelation. And it says that when Moses died, Satan went to get his body because he was going to use it to get the religious people to worship Moses and just turn a little bit away from God because Moses was a good guy, but he's not the God guy. And instead, Michael shows up and doesn't even mess with Satan. He gets the body and it's like, I, this is the showdown of showdowns. I want someone to make a movie about this, where Michael the archangel looks the deceiver in the face, and then it's just like, he says, one thing, the Lord rebuke you. And I always picture Michael being just like so bad. He just turns around. He's like, yeah. Just turns his back on Satan, like, what you going to do? What you going to do when he comes for you? Bad boy. No, sorry. Okay. How about in Ephesians? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. 
Your fight is not against flesh and blood. You might think that so-and-so is your enemy. You might think that your neighbor or your boss or your employee or your friend at school or the person in third period or the friend in your sports team, you might think that's my enemy. Man, they're out to get me. They're out to hurt me. Paul tells us we do not wrestle. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Everyone you see, every single person you see has been made in the image of God. You've never looked a person in the eyes. You've never locked eyes with someone who wasn't created in the image of God. Now granted, they might be terrible images, but they were created in the image of God. Our fight is not with one another. Our fight is not with the people who believe differently from us. That's not the battle. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, those spiritual beings that are over this present age. When we pray, we can pray for things like, Father, I pray that this person who's going through this horrendous moment in their life, that they would be healed or restored or whatever it is you're praying. But there's the layer above we can pray for. Lord, whatever spirit is going on over this home, over this community, over this city, please, Jesus, come and wipe them out. Send them away. Send them into the Gulf where they can only bother blackfin tuna and, and Dorado fish. Send them out. We can pray for our child or children who go through some addiction. But we should also pray for the spiritual being that's trying to get people to be addicted to things specifically in each area. See, there's a million things that we can disagree on and fight about. Our battle is not against each other. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against these powers of the spiritual realm. How might you go about fighting a power in a spiritual realm? Do you think a good right hook will help you? No. I love boxing. It's one of my favorite sports right now. Um, the heavyweight champion of the world, if you haven't seen this guy, his name is Tyson Fury. He is six foot nine. He's got a body like a, not a good one, okay? Like he doesn't do that training thing where he gets all the abs. He just looks like he loves pizza, Krispy Kreme donuts, and Bud Light, okay? And he boxes so beautifully. For a six foot nine guy, when you see boxing, it's called the sweet science because he'll do the jab and then someone will punch and he just moves just enough so it's like a centimeter miss and then comes back and counters. But half the time when people are hitting him, you wouldn't expect him. If you, maybe you're familiar with Muhammad Ali, people couldn't hit Muhammad Ali. They would punch him, and they'd be punching air because he would move so fast that nothing could hit him. If you think you're going to overcome spiritual darkness, spiritual evil, spiritual pain in your life with some physical exertion, you've lost your mind. When angels show up to deliver messages, they show up in response to prayer. When God speaks to demonic things. When Jesus said demons come out, he was commanding them through a position of prayer. I know this because there's one moment where Jesus came off the mountain and the disciples were trying to cast a demon out of a boy and nothing was happening. And they were like, in Jesus' name, come out. In Jesus' name, leave. In Jesus' name, leave. And nothing happened. And Jesus came down and he goes, get out. And you're like, well, yeah, it's Jesus. And the disciples said, why couldn't we do it? We've done it to these other people. And Jesus said, some only come out by prayer and fasting. So Jesus positioned himself spiritually, leaning on God. He got away from the day-to-day -day and he connected with God regularly so that when the time arose, when evil crashed into his life, he didn't have to go and grab spiritual weapons off the shelf because he'd been storing them up through his whole human experience. Are you storing up these things? Are you, are you saying, God, I need you? to be all for me today. Something that's been grinding my gears lately. And I think it's because, I'm realizing it's because it's Reformation Day today. In the old movie, the Martin Luther movie that's the black and white, the Catholic Cardinal is mad at Martin Luther. And he basically says, if you take away all these things, if you take away indulgences, and you take away confession, and you take away all of these things that we've built up, what will the people have? And then it cuts to Martin Luther. Christ, man, only need Christ. And then every year I post this video where it puts the thug life glasses on Martin Luther and it goes into that song, turn down for what? Bah, 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 bah. Anyway, 
I love it. It's the ultimate thug life moment. Like, we only need Christ. All of Christianity is to get more of Jesus Christ into portions of our life where we've held him out. We've said, I don't want you in here. And for whatever reason, God will sometimes say, okay. Sometimes he just kicks the door down. Like with the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul's like, let's go kill some Christians because killing's what I do. And he kicked his way in. Paul had no choice. But then, there are other times where we come to Christ and we say, ooh, this feels so good. And maybe you cry. You, you sing, Lord, I lift your name on high. And you're like, yeah, Jesus. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, Jesus, kind of, ah, man, boring, man, man. And then all of a sudden, your life starts to crumble on the inside, and you don't have the joy. You, you, you revert back into bitter ways of being. You, you don't forgive people. You're not loving people. You're not caring for people. You know, they say, hey, we're going to go feed the homeless on Fifth Sunday. Yeah, but it's on Halloween. Like, can we really feed the homeless on Halloween? You want to talk about scary. You, you want to see spiritual darkness? Go to Fifth Sunday today. You'll see spiritual darkness. Well, how do you know, Ryan? I've never seen anything like that. I used to think that way until um, I was praying around a city that God would remove darkness. In this city, some of you have been in, especially military people. Um, it's the Marian Plots in Munich, Germany. And we went there to help my friend who was planting a church there. And I took a group of high schoolers. And we were praying, God, lift the darkness from the city. Let your light shine into the city. In the Marion Plots, it's like it'd be the equivalent of us going to International Mall. Okay, so it's not like we're not out in the boonies. There's not somebody burning incense and like wearing crazy like demon skull cloaks or whatever. We're just walking around. There's like an H&M, a jack-in-the-box, and a 500-year-old cathedral, okay? So we're praying for about an hour. And I had the leaders going with the teenagers. Okay, we're praying, doing all this. We, it was one of our service days. We wanted to pray for the city. And we all are coming back, and the World Cup was on at the time. And, and the, there was a group of girls with the girl leaders sitting right in the middle of this, like, beautiful courtyard. It's the main courtyard of this shopping mall area. And then all the guys were watching the World Cup, like, 25 feet away, maybe, give or take. So they're all watching the World Cup, like, oh, yeah, yeah, because it was fun. In Europe, they go bonkers for that stuff. And then um, all of a sudden, one of the leaders comes and gets me. Pastor Ryan, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Ryan, there's someone that's over here. And they're uh, walking around us. And I look over, and there's this guy. And he's walking around the girls, my, my high school students. There's about, uh, about 20 of us total and probably about a dozen or so girls just walking around them like this, just walking around, mumbling something, just walking around. So I did the, the Michael thing. <laughs> you know, I didn't do I walked over. I, may, I have anger issues anyway. So I walked up, and he's walking. And didn't even notice, I just walked in his path, and I just stopped. And my, my friend who was playing in the church walks up, Matt, and he's, he's a little guy, stout like a hobbit, though. He do good in Mordor, okay? And um, guy stops, and Matt's here, he's my interpreter. And I start talking to this guy, what are you doing? What's going on? Why are you walking around uh, my people? These are my people. And he starts saying things in German, I presume. And um, I'm like, uh, no sprechen Sie Deutsch, my man. So then he starts speaking in English, and he asks me what I'm doing here. I said, bro, we're just here to pray for the city. We're here to pray that the city would be reached with the gospel of Jesus and that darkness would be lifted. And then all of a sudden, he gets, starts getting, like, very irate. And at this point, I'm preparing for physical confrontation. I'm, like, doing what um, I tell my boys to do. Like, if you ever think you're going to be in a fight, you get two arm lengths away, okay? Two arm lengths is enough to run. And if they close within two arm lengths, you don't, you don't think about if you're going to hit them. You put them down. So I get two arm lengths away. I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm like, girls, go get on the U-Bahn that's the subway and uh, get the guys and get out of here. So I'm staying between what I thought was a crazy person and my kids. And I'm like, you go. The rest of the leaders take them. Matt, Hobbit, Samwise, Gamgee, stay with me. So they're running. And this guy's coming toward me. And I'm like, look, you got to stop, man. We're just here. We're just here. We're from this church. We're help helping this church out. And then as soon as I said church, all of a sudden he starts yelling. This is like someone yelling at International Mall. And he starts cursing and spitting on the ground, like cursing the church and spitting on the ground, saying obscene things about Christian people and spitting and looking crazy, like veins were like getting wild. And I'm looking at Matt, I'm like, is this normal? Is this normal? I don't know, I've never been to Munich, it's my first time. 
And then I'm like, look, man, we're just here to share the good news of Jesus. And up to that point, I'd said, like, we're here to pray. We're here to lift the light. We're here, we're here for the church. And he kept getting more and more irate. And then as soon as I said Jesus, the weirdest thing happens. He starts saying, son of God, son of God. And he's spitting on the ground in front of me. And he's, like, leaning into me like if wind were pushing against him, but there wasn't wind. So I'm backing up. I'm thinking, like, I'm going to die. And I'm looking at Matt with his little hairy feet. And I'm like, we got to get, I'm just kidding. We got to get out of here. And, and the weirdest thing is I kept backing up, but he didn't move. He just kept moving like this, but his feet were where they were, in the middle of what would be like the square of the food court at International Plaza, just screaming, saying, the Son of God, the Son of God, spitting on the ground, saying other weird things. And we walk all the way up, and he was moving his arms, and I'm like, what in the world just happened? Like when we got on the subway, and my friend Matt was like, did you see that? I was like, bro, I was right there. I was talking to the crazy guy. And he goes, no, no, did you see when he stopped moving? And I'm like, thinking, no. And he goes, when you first told him we were just here to pray, he got mad. When you told him you were here helping this church, he started saying things about the church. And he was going back and forth between German and English, German and English, German and English. But he was saying the same things. He was saying them in German, saying them in English, cursing the church, cursing God's people. And then when you mentioned the name of Jesus... He just got stuck. Didn't you see when his arms, and he was going like this? And I was like, yeah. Dude, I thought he was like a meth head about to rip my arms off and beat me with them. And he goes, no, when you said the name of Jesus, you know, it is the most weird thing. So this guy's speaking English and German. I'm speaking English, and then Matt's speaking German behind me, like translating. I'm like, la, la, la. He goes, hey, uh, the whole time. So I don't know what he's saying. He could be saying other things. Like, I could be like, we're just here to spread love and kindness. And he could be like, your mom's a ground turkey. I had no idea what he was saying. But he's, he was just translating. And then he goes, dude, that was a demon-possessed man. That's why he couldn't move after you told him that you're, you're here in the name of Jesus. And he was stuck. And I was like, okay, look, man, you have to break this down for me. Because I'm, I'm an American suburban Christian, okay? I ain't no, like, Wiccan, Moonstone, essential oils. I'm a Palms Christian. I'm like, a, like a, at that point, I'm like, I read the NIV, man. I help me understand what you think that was. And fast forward to numerous trips after that, trips to serve the homeless, trips down to Skid Row in Los Angeles, trips across the world to India. Spiritual oppression is on the surface where there's more areas of apparent brokenness. Demonic powers work on the surface. It's right there in your face. Wisely, because for whatever reason, Satan's been allowed to exist and manipulate and deceive and lie. He's, he's not an idiot when it comes to tempting you and me. He's not like, well, how can I get them today? He knows. He's been doing this. He's had small group communities that planned and plot on how to destroy people's lives. And it's not just to distract you 180 degrees. Maybe today it's just let's distract them one degree away. And when you move into places where there's the intellectual people, you know, the people that have multiple Bibles, the people that know all the doctrine, it's much more conniving for spiritual evil to manipulate us from a higher plane than rather from right on the surface to try to get us to say, look, these, these things are just okay. Like, everyone's doing this thing. You can do it. Like, gossip? Like, that's not really a sin. That's like what church people do. Gluttony? Don't worry, your sermon won't, pre your pastor won't preach on gluttony. No, why would anybody preach on that? We all do it. Drunkenness? No. You can't mention drunkenness on Halloween night. When neighbors pass out jello shots and cheap beer, gluttony on a night where I'm going to literally steal all of Silas's peanut butter cups because he's allergic to peanut butter, so I'm doing him a health favor. No, demonic beings, fallen angels, they know what they're doing. If you want to see how they work, go downtown this Sunday. We're meeting here at 1230, right? Make sandwiches, tons of clothes. They need clothes. If you have chance, and we really need socks and underwear, like if you have time to shoot somewhere, grab some fresh socks and underwear and bring them back. We need more of those. But you'll see spiritual darkness down there. You might dismiss it as schizophrenia or bipolar, and it may be. There, 
it's not an either or game that we're playing. See, some, some believers say that, you know, spiritual darkness, it's, that's not real. They just didn't understand the science. And then some believers say, well, no, it's someone that's schizophrenic or bipolar or manic. It's, they have, they've got a demonic presence. We're not playing an either or game. We could walk and chew gum at the same time. There could be a chemical imbalance wrong with the human mind because that's what sin does. It takes what God created as good and it twists it and breaks it. Not just because of your sin, but because of sin general. But it can be that and spiritual darkness. We should pray for healing of biology and we should pray for restoration and freedom from evil if we believe that it's there. We shouldn't just treat it as one or the other. I do this with my kids and I, I, I don't just pray for their well-being as humans, I pray for their spiritual protection. I don't know how demons work, but I know that this demon was over the country. He was a prince of the heir of Persia, and there were multiple of these fallen angels that were manipulating this country. When Daniel, throughout the book of Daniel, has been showing us how to live a faithful life in the midst of a govern government and a culture that was anti-God, it wasn't just the kings, it was who was pulling the strings and for whatever reason, God allows it. If you don't have that question in your mind, you should answer, ask, God, why? Because each of us in this world that has this flavor of hell, of brokenness and sadness and deception and lies and deceit and murder and adultery and, and all these addictions, when God saves you, he makes you a pocket of heaven. And, and you might be thinking, I'm not worthy to be a pocket of heaven. You are right, you are not. But Jesus in you makes you a pocket of heaven and we literally have a moment today to go out in this world that's a sea of red and we stand up as a pocket of heaven and say, this is what love and forgiveness and charity and grace looks like. We have an opportunity to give out like the biggest candy bars. Well, that, why, how is that Jesus-y? I'll tell you what, if you give out the king-size Hershey's or the, at least the full-size ones for a couple years, you know who those kids go to right away every year? If you give out sweet tarts and Tootsie Rolls, who wants to come to your Jesus? Like, seriously. Well, those Christians are cheap. I remember when I worked at a restaurant, I was a server. Every time I had a table full of a bunch of these Christian people from the missionary group that was up the road from the restaurant I worked at, all the Christians would come in and be like, oh, I'm so excited to serve them 72 waters, a piece of cheesecake, and get a five-cent tip. You know who I wanted? The tourists who ordered like 70 lava flows, probably sinning a lot, but they tipped me like 100 bucks. I'm like, yeah, send the Christians away, Lord. Give me them pagans. We should be the most charitable, the most loving, because we know the realities that exist, and we don't have to be afraid of them. You don't have to go home tonight thinking, oh, Lord, there's a fallen angel, a demonic presence over Fishhawk. I assure you there is, without a doubt in my mind. The, the unique sins of this community of Hillsboro are very apparent if you take two steps back. We lean on substances instead of the Holy Spirit. We lean on our identity instead of leaning on Christ's identity in us. And you may say, well, these are very global things, but we do it very specifically in the suburbs. We do it very specifically in Tampa Bay. But I don't want you to be afraid because God, your Father, spreads his wings over you and will protect you. If you feel afraid, ring, read Psalm 91. Before Gabriel delivers it, he says, Daniel, don't be afraid. You're about to hear some crazy stuff. Some of you may feel like there is demonic in your home. Um, I, I would be more than willing to come and pray over your homes. I keep a little, little thing of anointing oil in my car because the Bible says it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And I'll go pray. I prayed over homes, and I don't know where I land. Like, there are some Christians who think there's a demon around every corner. There's pastors right now, like dozens of them, rebuking Satan out of their church, not realizing that Satan is not omnipresent. Like Satan can only be one place at one time. But 90% of the churches that are this camp, they're like, Satan, get out of our church. And I'm like, bro, you don't even need him there. Like you need more Jesus right now. I don't know that there's demons around every corner, but I know there's demons around some corners. I don't know if we all have our own personal guardian angel, but I do know that angels do guard us. The Bible teaches in Hebrews that angels are spirits, and part of their created role is to minister to those who would be in the family of God. I think that's pretty cool. So today, be that pocket of heaven. 
as everyone puts on their masks, take off your mask of pretending, take off your mask that prevents you from seeing and realizing the realities that are out there, and say, God, make me see that my war, my battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. But you, Lord, are bigger. You, Lord, are stronger. You, Lord, have all authority. And this is evil's last attempt to drag people away, but you will not let it be done. Let us pray. God, um, I know that if someone's new here, Lord, because I, I didn't grow up in this, Lord, so I know that this sounds wild, spiritual realm, hidden realm, and it's like the stuff that sci-fi movies and horror movies are made of, but I pray that we would at least, that I pray that each person would at least take away that wonder and the fuel to be prepared for spiritual battles. That we wouldn't just cast everything off to a coincidence. That we would understand that there are spiritual realities that we cannot see. There are reasons why a sunset or a sunrise take our breath away. There are reasons why we have those strangers that pass through our lives and lift up our day and we don't even know who they are or why they came. Lord, we also know that there's those moments where it seems like there's a whisper in our ear telling us we're not worthy, we're not loved, we're not enough. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would remove those deceptive voices and whispers, that you would guard this family tonight, a day, Lord, where it's, um, I know some Christians, God, we think that it's like the, like the Sataniest of Satan days, but it's so apparent to me, Lord, that on a day where everyone's dressing up as something. It's the day after, I suppose, we should worry about. The day before. Lord, you see us as we are. You see our sadness and our anger when we hide it. Lord, let us live in your spiritual reality just for a moment. Open our eyes to see what Elisha's servant saw. Open our hearts to embrace what your word teaches us. As the culture goes against Christianity or goes with it, help us to understand that there is a much larger cosmic plan and battle raging all around us. In Jesus' name, amen.